0: alive right so how to avoid gaining weight at christmas whilst also enjoying the festive season and everything that entails yeah no one wants to uh
1: not have fun during the christmas period but there's some few little things you can do so you come out the what it's normally like it's not a two-week period, is it? It's normally like three
0: or four weeks by the time people yeah. get star parties, friendly catch-ups. Um well, you can't go anywhere in town or a festive market without having some sort of glue vine or Christmas dessert thrown in your face. And so yeah, uh, yeah it tends to be a fairly indulgent time mm-hmm. of year. And then obviously you get a lot of food at Christmas Boxing Day, and that's left over for a good 10-12 days afterwards. So you're still nibbling on the bits well into January. Um yeah. Yeah, I think mean, you tend a few... to find that people put on a lot of weight at Christmas, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, there's a few easy things people can do, can't they, to just um, simply avoid feeling like they're coming out of the other side, starting from scratch. Because really, if you look at it logically, if you take away all the you know fun that Christmas is, it is a good period of time and spending time with your family. There isn't really a reason why um, people should let one holiday um result in about six seven eight kilos of weight gain but it
0: does happen yeah it's almost a cliche now the whole season's become a bit cliche when it comes to weight gain and and it doesn't need to be i mean for me and i guess for you and a lot of other people if you really think about it there's not really a difference between november december january February, march the only difference really is is the general vibe and obviously Christmas Day and Boxing Day, but there's no reason for the month to be particularly different, unless you know, unless you really want it to be. Um, and I think yeah, what yeah. what we find is people put on quite a lot of weight at Christmas if they they do go nuts, and they then have that uphill battle come January time when they do want to make a, a fresh start on their training and health, their exercise, diet, whatever it may be. And it's actually what they're doing is really tackling the weight gain they made the month prior, rather than potentially making great steps in progress that they haven't kind of hindered or having an indulgent month. So if, if, I didn't say that very well, but essentially if December isn't, you know, the binging month it tends to be, their progress and uh, achievements that they can make in the new year be greater than if they kind of just, you know, take the shackles off for of Christmas. Um, yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, there's some simple, like, if we're going to summarise briefly what we're going to talk about in a bit more depth, but basically you've got a couple of options if you know looking at december you've got a lot of social events and you are one person you are a person who gains weight easily mm-hmm. um, and has to be a bit more mindful of what they eat and drink than other people because of the uh, the weight gain that just sometimes genetically people put on weight easier than others then i would look at december and be like well how how can i um still enjoy myself and not come out the other side with a lot more excess body fat and weight and it simply is two options either you are very strict on your nutrition outside of the social occasions or you increase your activity to counteract the increase in calories you're going to consume now both those methods have their pros and cons sometimes Mm. they can be easier for someone than others it's kind of individual isn't it but um you know we always get like typically at sbc we get Male and female clients going, oh, what exercise can I do to shift some body weight? What what exercise do I need to do? What do I need to do physically to lose weight? When really the exercise is a stimulus for change in terms of how you want your body to look long term. But as you know from the nutrition camp Tom, like 80% of it is is probably about what you're putting in your mouth.
0: Yeah, I think um when um you know, if you look at a typical week and you are eating fairly controlled diet Monday to Friday and then you think okay well my weekends are fairly relaxed what you can consume in a very quick period across a weekend can undo yeah, a lot of the work Dennis you've shish. done <laughs>
1: right. Monday Sorry, to that's Friday Dennis, that's Dennis barking at builders at my house who have been here for a while um, that was a great point but you might want to start again
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, so well, I was saying long story short, if you're dieting or controlling your food intake um, for a particular goal Monday to Friday, and then you kind of get a little bit more relaxed at the weekend, it can be very easy to overeat a lot at the weekend. I and mean, then your cumulative intake of calories across the week could actually lead to some weight gain. And it might make you think, well, what's the point of putting in all that hard graft Monday to Friday um, if then I undo it at the weekend? I think that's what you see at Christmas. So, I guess from a, from a nutritional point of view, if you wanted to mitigate weight gain, at Christmas and you know that there are going to be times where you're going out for dinners or having drinks or having whatever, you know, festive gatherings, then I suppose that from a nutritional point of view, you could reduce the amount you uh, intake on those particular days leading up to those particular events or gatherings or meetings or dinners. So, you know, if you're having dinner, at, you know, of an evening uh, and if it was me, hypothetically, I would then have a, a fairly low to moderate well probably with low to none carbohydrate intake throughout the day. I would stick to kind of yeah. fatty, fatty sources of food and protein, try and keep me a bit full without consuming as much food, knowing that the evening is going to be the bulk of my intake. Um obviously yeah. you still want to function throughout the day and you're not going to be particularly hungry throughout the day. You don't want to punish yourself for the sake of going out for dinner, but you know, if you are keeping one eye on your waistline and one eye on your calorie intake, then the easy thing to do would be to to, to reduce what you have throughout the day leading up to these events.
1: Yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot easier. And the people, the, one of the biggest um, misconceptions or mistakes that people make is thinking that they can generally um, do more and more exercise to counteract the amount of the food or the type of food they want to consume. Mm. Um, I think that's a real common error. And we hear it a lot, like, off the cuff, um, you know, like I've got there's two bottles of Guinness in my bedroom in front of me, and I know that they're probably about 600 calories, maybe just shy, but about 600 calories for those two. Yeah, now 600 calories in exercise terms is a uh, fairly intense group training session at SBC, probably a fairly intense spin session for an hour, mm-hmm. probably struggle to do a weight session just purely weights and get 600 calories in one hour of exercise um if you ran a 10k you, you probably hit 600 calories so they're like, yeah. the, they're like the things you need to be doing to just burn off two bottles of guinness so yeah if you can like you said around the times that you're going to be socializing enjoying mainly carbohydrate and fat-based foods that are, comes with christmas is to just really Every time you're not at a social occasion, you can control completely what you put in your mouth. Is to just tighten those areas up, and then you can also not guilt-free, but you can. That's a silly way to look at food, really. But you can enjoy those occasions probably more so than you would do if you're thinking at the back of your mind, "Jesus Christ, this is uh, like my fifth
0: day in a row." Yeah, and I think sometimes as well, people get, "Oh, you yeah, know, I don't want to count calories. I don't want to do go down that rabbit hole." And in fairness, you know, whether it's <laughs> And that's that's fair enough, and you don't have to. But I think if you are conscious of gaining weight at Christmas, and subsequently you are looking at ways to mitigate that, you have to employ some method of control. And whether yeah. that comes in the form of calorie counting or portion control, and portion control can be quite a tricky one if you don't have a, a fundamental understanding of what or how much you're eating of what foods. You know, like a fistful of fat, for instance. Obviously, it can be pretty more than a fistful of carbohydrates but if you can employ some form of control method um your your chances of of staving off any weight gain across christmas comedy probably, probably greatly improved I, I yeah i would i would drink a lot of water throughout the day i would have a fairly uh filling protein of fat breakfast i would have a very very light lunch particularly like um you know like a protein salad sort of thing um not too heavy on any oils or dressings um have some herbal teas things that are going to be basically keeping my appetite at bay and then enjoy the evening knowing that i've kind of done what i need needed to on the day and the following day i'd probably repeat the cycle except in the evening obviously you're not going out for another dinner you have a normal meal plan um, yeah. but you do have a, a light lunch light breakfast and then a uh normal meal and trying to get back into a routine as quickly as possible and that's another thing as well i think people do tend to have a knee joke reaction to these events you know binges or nights out and they tend to go to the extremes and they don't ever tend to be sustainable so if you have like a a fairly debauched evening that doesn't need to be followed up with two or three or four days of tightly restricted calorie controlled diet i think you just need to get back on track with the routine you were following leading up to that day because what will happen is you'll get hungry and you'll binge and you'll get down and you'll get you know fed up and you'll fall into that cycle. So, if you're having a meal out or a dinner out, then just prep that that day, prep the following day, and then get back on track with your normal routine.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the easiest way easiest way to summarise because I think going back to what you said at the start, the two routes you can if you're if you're not a big eater but you do um, you know you're not not a massive food person but you do still find that you gain weight over Christmas, then that might be the type of person. Who would benefit from just slightly increasing the amount of activity they're doing over the Christmas period? If you're not someone who likes to gorge on food, but still find that you have a drink or whatever and you gain a bit of weight, then that, that's the sort of person that I would recommend. You know, walking more, moving more, um, rather than necessarily always adding more gym sessions. Or you know, you could add in an extra gym session a week for sure would be beneficial. But if you can't, haven't got time for that, just try and get more steps in throughout the day of the whole month of December, maybe set a goal of trying to hit 10,000 steps every day for December. Be quite a good one, especially as people yeah. do, you know, people do have more time in, in that interim period between Christmas and new year <clears throat> in particular, when most people are off or have l- less work than usual. So time, of course there's family stuff going on, but if you are limited by time, you can jump onto our YouTube. We've got loads of like home-based workouts you can do for 20 minutes or less, get the heart rate up. You yeah, those are little things that would definitely help in the long run. So if you're not a food mm. person, I'd definitely say maybe go down the exercise route. But for the majority of people probably listen to this, it would be the uh, option number one, just
0: kind of tighten up the nutrition. Yeah, before. and I think when you are, and then, you know, when you're actually at these events, you're know, making slightly different choices for your drinks or your food choices. So, um, you know, making that slightly healthier, albeit still enjoyable choice for dinner or swapping out your uh, sugary mixes for something with uh, soda water. Um, you know, picking those lighter options which allow you to still get the benefits of socializing, going and having drinks and having dinner, but it's not necessarily the full hit of calories that you might get from, you know, the full fat options, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, you know, it it makes it sound like we're completely against it. I mean, we're not against having fun and going out and, you know, enjoying yourself and being relaxed because at the end of the day, there's things that are always more important than um, sticking to a diet. Let's face it. But I think this is, we're talking specifically to an audience now that are concerned with the festive bulge. So that would be my choice. Make more sensible choices when you go for these events and dinners and drinks. Prep the day, prep the day after, and then stick to whatever routine and and habits that you've got leading up to those events. Because those are the things that are going to be the make or break to your weight gain or weight loss. Yeah. I think that's Um, uh, pretty much it. Now in the head, with that, really. Yeah. And then you've got the exercise. Um, So, like you said, you know, there's always options to do more exercise for most people because lifestyle tends to get in the way, and so they might train a couple of times a week. So, you know, that's what three hours, two hours, three hours at the tops. So, yeah. an alternative to restricting your calories would be to do more exercise, get moving, be more active every day. Although I wouldn't yeah. say it needs to be too intense. No, no, moving. I mean, I
1: think maybe most people who who come to SBC who do two to three days a week and, um, not much else, um, than those sessions, especially if it's group training to quite intense personal trainings, intense, but in a different way. Um, mm. then I think that anyone would benefit from like 20 minutes of maybe a cardio based circuit at home. Um, yeah. whether that's running or, you know, you're doing body weight movements with limited rest periods between each exercise. And like I said, if you're unsure on what these type of workouts are, just head to our YouTube cause they're all on there. Um, but those are always quite nice little fillers and you know like on a weekend when you maybe aren't gymming it um and you tend to find you feel sometimes you can feel a bit sluggish on the monday having not done too much over the weekend um chucking a 20-minute workout on a saturday just once on saturday or sunday morning um yeah and that can kind of in the long run you only think of it don't think of it as like i'm just doing that once a week think of it as if i do that for um the rest of november and the whole of december would well, that four to six new workouts that i've added into the um already training schedule which would account for x amount of calories and also improve your fitness by x so um yeah i think a lot of people look at their health as well in in short periods of time but actually i was having this conversation with one of my pt clients yesterday um and just saying that she had a week off because she was she works nights um carer you know not much sleep she was just absolutely knackered and she came back and and pb all her stuff at SB 6 she's been training for me for like four weeks now so we're following quite a rigid program but the point i'm trying to make is she's trained before me as well for about a year so i said but actually if you look at the amount of training you've had over the last 12 months taking one week of backward step listening to your body um isn't necessarily going to make or break you and that's how people should look at training in the long term mm. is if you're consistent over 12 months and you're going to have bumps in the road like there'll be christmas there'll be birthdays there'll be holidays stag do's hen do's whatever that isn't going to change your physique dramatically it's the people that have been training for less periods of time are the ones that suffer the most when it comes to going back to their old ways or having having uh, big binges because their body isn't set up to use the calories you give
0: it as efficiently as someone who's been training for long term yeah yeah i think there's people yeah, there is there is an awful lot of value in that long-term conditioning your yeah, body you, being conditioned you um, can do you
1: can do less for more results it sounds silly but you can the more trained you are the less you still have to work hard but you can work smarter and actually you can know when to push it and when to not and your body would change very minimally
0: yeah I mean we in know a couple of guys in there that come to SPC or their coaches that will have gone through periods of time where lifestyle's gone away and they've not really trained for a great deal of time. They haven't really looked any different when they've come back to the gym, and their fitness has snapped back very quickly. Now we kind of, you know, genetic, genetically, uh, you know, gifted, or they have, which is more often than not the case, a long history of exercise and routine. Yeah, and that tends to be the deciding factor. Um, yeah. and it's quite interesting to see the difference between those people who do have that kind of history and those that don't, and who come back and after a long period off, and they have they have ballooned up. Um, Yeah, and they find it harder and harder to lose the weight.
1: Yeah, long period of of exercise is is the key, isn't it? Like they're the people that always make improvements quite quickly. They always get back in shape quickly. They recover quickly. So if you're starting or you've been doing it for a while, just look at it over a twelve month period because Mm. you can have you can you can be a bit more relaxed the more trained you are. I think. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, As a general rule of thumb.
0: Yeah. Definitely. I think going back on a previous point as well, when we're looking at your Guinness bottles, for an example, um, and you equated that in calories, so you, you would then say, okay, well, I need to burn 600 calories an hour. The, the likelihood of you doing 600 calories an hour, unless, like you, like you said, you're part of a spin class, or are in a group training class, or you're really going hard and heavy, um, it's going to be unlikely you're going to do 600 calories an hour if you're, particularly, if you're training on your own or you're just yeah. doing a normal gym session. Um, it's also unlikely that whatever way you're gauging that calorie burn is going to be accurate so there was yeah. a uh, study that i was reading the other day that said that a lot of the the big study on wearable technology so rifts hardware monitors all that kind of stuff and they were tracking like the how accurate the calorie estimations were on those wearables and in some cases they were up they were out by up to 40 percent which is a huge amount. Like, So if, yeah. if you think you burn a 1,000 calories and that's incorrect to a tune of 400 calories and you're adjusting your food intake based on your wearable information, you're going to be potentially overshooting your intake by a mile. So just also bear that in mind. If you do wear wearable technology and um, it's giving you data um, above and beyond, like heart rate and things like that, and you're tracking your workouts, great. But if it's giving you calorie burn, figure don't i wouldn't really rely on that to underpin your intake for the day or for the week because it's likely going to be incorrect
1: yeah yeah. that, that, that i've read this in study it's good to if you've got a watch or whatever and you do it over a long period of time then it's good because no matter whether it's completely accurate or not you it's can like still see change yeah.
0: yeah you can still see yeah. change
1: because you can still see if you if you repeat a workout and you perform better at it wearing a trackable it doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong
0: in the first place yeah so what you're saying is basically if I did a workout tomorrow really hard and it said it would burn 500 calories whether yeah. that 500 calories is right or wrong that's the recorded number that's yeah. the a uh, number associated with that intensity and then you'd use that as the benchmark for future intensity so yes, I'm going to go exactly. back and hit the session I didn't train as hard because I didn't burn as many calories yeah. give or take yeah yeah.
1: I mean yeah without we're, we're getting down a rabbit hole Calo- what, basing a workout on how many calories you burn is probably the wrong thing to do yeah. But it's probably what most people do do, but that's, that's kind of another subject is if you can see your performance improving over time, then you can guarantee that someone's, um, working at a higher intensity. So more likely to be burning more calories than they were, um, prior to this. Yeah. But that's kind of a, another podcast we can discuss about what's the best metrics, but for most people, you know, that's what they do is all the trackers do calories. Yeah, they do, they do steps and calories. So not the two best measurements, but if you do it over a long period of time, you can still use it well to see change for sure.
0: Yeah. So I guess in in summary, for the uh, for the exercise pr- proportion of this, you would say what what would be your kind of ta- top takeaways for if you were looking at increasing your exercise activity to cover any additional calorie intake across the four weeks, three four week period. Uh,
1: I would I would chuck in um, a minimum of one. One twenty to 30 minute, uh, hit, I guess is the most, most common form of training people know is hit. So high intensity training where I just pick eight to 10 body weight movements, perform them for like 30 seconds on 30 seconds off. Um, yeah. and do that. Uh, so if I've got 10 movements, um, 30 on 30 off, that's 10 minutes. So I'd do three rounds of that. And the only rest yeah. period I would try and have would be the 30 seconds between each exercise. You hear that bang? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. That's, uh, my house is currently being ripped apart and that's actually my brother doing that. Um, so yeah, so if you want to burn some calories, come around my house and rip it up.
0: I was going to say, what's the likelihood of you asking your brother to stop while recording and him saying, yes, okay, that's fine.
1: Second <laughs> word will be off. And then, and then, <laughs> and the first word might begin with C and end in T. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's I about would 15 say,
0: minutes worth of work if, if Massey's that they should be having a break soon
1: I think Massey's gone
0: uh, he's uh, probably on the golf course Yes, yes, you've got there. the 31 20 to 30 minute hit session so interval based training session yeah one,
1: once or twice a week if you do if you do say so if you do three sessions a week currently exercise, like structured exercise sessions add in one more to make it four yep. if you do two sessions try and add in two more to make it four if you already do four sessions I will maybe um, not do another session because I want to keep the sessions that I existing, I currently do high of high intensity. So if you chuck yeah. in another, if you chuck in another session, the intensity of your session throughout the week will naturally be lower because you've got one more session, you've got less rest time between sessions. I would go for four as a maximum, and then on those other three days, I would rest and recover, but I would keep my movement high. So I would be walking quite a bit, I would be standing quite a bit. Um, those sort of things. I don't think most people need to do more than four hard sessions a week. I think in the long run, that can just lead to a bit of burnout and you lose motivation and you know you end up hating it. So, yeah, I, would yeah. say, I would say four for any of us, um, at SBC, including coaches, really, um, would be a good number to go by.
0: Yeah, cool, nice,
1: lovely. Have you got any? Um, I think there's one question actually for Q&As. random, oh, yeah. uh, was what should they eat before playing sport? which I guess we can summarize this based as well. on what we said about group training before sport, if it's like an actual event, so an actual match, I would eat uh, probably three hours before sort of a meal Mm. of like mainly carbs and protein and not much fat because fat takes longer to digest. So something like chicken and rice with a bit of like tomato based sauce is normally what they recommend in sports science. Um, wouldn't bother with too many vegetables at this time because you don't want too much fiber when you're going to be running around. That's the same for people Mm. who go running as well. You have high veg, high fat an hour or two before you start running, you could have a dicky stomach. So avoid those things. So yeah, rice and and, um, fish or chicken with like a tomato based sauce, plenty of water. And depending if you can stomach it, I would stay away from like milk and dairy based products because lactose is again, a bit slower so uh, and harder to digest for the stomach so yeah um, yeah I, I would have that and then if you get really close to the event so you've had that three hours before prior and you're used to it maybe an energy gel um yeah and a banana if you can stomach it but some people rice cakes
0: and honey is always a good one
1: yeah if you if, rice if that's cakes and honey to... is,
0: is like it, it, i mean it basically disappears in your mouth before you even get to swallow it so it does absorb yeah. very quickly it doesn't sit in your stomach so it's always a good one for group training sessions if they're not going to eat you know before yeah. coming in the morning so don't see why you wouldn't have it before sport yeah. um
1: that, that that that's something that always trial this stuff on a yeah practice game or you know train. don't day. do it on F- a match day because you could uh and that's the same for a race day if you're a runner don't try anything new like energy gels the day of a
0: race because that could like you don't want gastric be... distress yeah you'll basically be shitting yourself <laughs> I mean, I did the New York Marathon years and years and years ago, and I thought, right, it's the start of the run. I'm going to power slam three Go Gels. Um, oh, nice. That were the isotonic ones, and uh, I didn't realise just how much water I had to drink to make them not completely ruin me. And so, I would say on on the two mile, every two mile, I had a pit stop. And it was this, it was it was a uh, it was a stinging last twenty miles. <laughs> Isn't that the time that you
1: left your camera there?
0: Then I left my camera in one of those, one of those loo's, and had to turn around and run two miles back against the traffic. <laughs> There's twenty five thousand people going one way, and me going the other way, looking for my bloody camera. <laughs> so yeah, and that, I put it all down to the uh, uh, go gels that I had because it made me go to the loo so for, so very frequently. Well, exactly.
1: There you go. More of the so story. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't sample life. anything
0: right before a performance.
1: Um. Yeah. So I think that's it. So we're we'll doing an- yeah. we'll do another podcast before christmas won't we on them um, yeah this has been a bit of a bite-sized bite-sized
0: chunk one uh, we'll do one with michelle and a few other coaches and get a big one out kind of review of the year and what we're coming in 2022. love it cool